0: Um, house moves are exciting, aren't they? <laughs> Why didn't you all say yes? Um, do you mind popping up the um, PowerPoint? Thanks, Joe. Um, they're, they're generally exciting, aren't they? But they're, they're also, they're, they can be quite tricky times in family life, can't they? There's a lot of pitfalls, there could be a lot of stress, there could be a lot of difficulty with it. And, um, you need to prepare for a house move, don't you? I don't know if you've moved with young children. Our, our last house move was when Uh, The children were two and four, and um, you have a moment, don't you, where you kind of you do everything you can to prepare them well for a house move at that age. You don't want to just kind of like turn up at a different house one one day and go, "Hey, we're living here now." Um, (laughs) With a bit of foresight, you know that's not going to go so well. So you have uh, times where you kind of we took them along to our current house as often as we could on house visits. We were often doing like. Uh, getting quotations and so on and we'd always take the kids along, okay, you know, show them the house, this is where you might sleep, this is where you can sleep, this is where we might have this and that and uh, they'd get a feel for it. Um, so they familiarise themselves with that and we've had that, a bit of that with the hive, haven't we, where we've all been invited around as a, as a church family so we can get a feel, um, for our, uh, for our a new building, the hive. Um, and at some point, Jess and I would have sort of sat down with the kids and kind of prepare them for the house move and talk it through and answer their questions and help um, build excitement for it. And I just felt, um, as we were kind of thinking about what we wanted to share over these couple of weeks, that the Father, if you like, wants to sit us down, a bit like parents would sit down with their children, that the Father wants to sit down with us and to prepare us for our new, uh, for our house move, if you like, as a church family, readying us for what's coming. Uh, So that's kind of the vibe of this morning, is I think the Father wants to come and speak to us about and prepare us uh, for that so father we um we uh, we've just been singing this morning have your way with us and so we pray lead us into this next season of preparing for this house move if you like of, of coming into the hive and owning it and living in it as a church family we so need you lord we're dependent on you we pray just as we're sat down together as a family here you'd be speaking to us encouraging us and leading us on We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to present a bit of a framework, a plumb line, for how we think about our new home. So there's a mixture here of biblical conviction, our values, and wisdom from others in our wider family who have buildings of their own and have been on this similar journey, but acknowledging at the same time our limitations within this, that we don't know everything about the new building, do we? We don't know everything that we're going to be doing in it, uh, its future use, and so on. So we're open to God's leading for. Why he's given us it fully. It might be helpful, first of all, just to say why we've got a building. Because obviously you don't have to have a building as a church, do you? We haven't had one for 40 years, so it's a good question to ask. Why do we now have a building, having not had one? Um, because in the Old Testament, in terms of buildings throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament you've got the temple, it's the dwelling place of God. Uh, with man, the, um, the people of God meet there with God. Um, but in the New Testament application is that God has made his dwelling place with man. Now the Spirit fills each of us, and God is at home with us as a people. And so the New Testament church didn't meet in buildings, they met in people's homes, often in wealthy people's homes that were large enough to have everyone round. Um, so if you've got that kind of home, we'd love to save some money on rent while we're waiting to move in. Um, or they'd be around each other's houses, kind of doing it like we do for house group. Paul did things like hired the Hall of Tyrannus in uh, Ephesus for two years to preach the gospel. So some the churches have buildings, others don't. We do now. Um, For a bit of context, it might be helpful for us to um, hear the prophetic word that we were given. Just a short snippet of it that relates to the building. Um, It's about two and a half minutes long. Just be helpful. I know a lot of you have maybe joined us more recently or exploring committing to being part of us at Life Church. You wouldn't have heard this two years ago, so I thought it would be helpful for us um, all to hear. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Marcus. Um, Mike, do you want to come back on anything?
1: Yeah, I I was (coughs) just pondering a little bit while Marcus was speaking, and um, this idea of where you have traditionally been a a Christian center, a religious expression in the church, in the community. I felt like um, that church for you guys has sort of been hidden as far as you guys have been in a building and sort of people didn't know you were there com- completely at times over the over the seasons because you were sort of been a nomadic people of sort of a temporary building. And I felt like part of this next season that God was going to put you into your community as a as a community center, as a community hub. And, and I just, I, I was dialoguing with James just to make sure, again, being under authority, I didn't want to just throw out words and, and not make sure it was appropriate. But I felt like God was going to give you a building and that God was going to give you a, a building to be in the community, uh, that it was going to be like a hub, like a center. It's not just going to be our church that is a religious center, so to speak. You hear my heart in this, but there, there's something of, that we want to be a place like a storehouse church like a storehouse that that people came for grain that people came for encouragement that there are things that that were known and this is that part where we're honoring what has God done before as a church that God is going to that sort of that that foundation of of being a uh, of works and the servant and serving your community, that there's a building wrapped up in that. I feel as though that it could almost be a a community center. It could be a a place. And if there's something you're looking at, I feel like God, I feel like God just says, be careful not to put your foot on the brakes too much, but allow God to put your foot on the gas. So, so I I don't know if there's something that you're looking at already or have been. Um, I'm not trying to put words in your heart or mind, but, but I just felt like in the heart of God that he says, you've been a nomadic people, and part of laying foundations is he's going to root you in a place. He's going to lay a, a fresh foundation, uh, fresh stones in a physical place that you're going to work from, that it's going to be a place that's going to serve your community. But also, they're going to say, but also, let me tell you about Jesus. And, oh, you have a church here as well, that it's going to be a multifaceted, almost like the hexagon like says talking about there. So, again, I'm just putting that on the table and and leaving for you guys to to weigh or test that or if if to hope that confirms or speak something to come, okay?
0: So that, that was Mike, um, Mike's uh, friend of ours from LCC in Lower Stoff, he's one of the elders there. And so we, we took this to heart, really, that God was providing us with this uh, building in order to carry on the work that God's doing. God's always healing, isn't he? He's always restoring, he's redeeming, he's reconciling. And so really that the building would be for that purpose of doing um, God's work in our community. Um, we're a people who are being healed aren't we redeemed and restored and we want others to benefit from the same that we're receiving uh from god and so uh really took to heart uh three things one that pursuing a building was god's initiative um we weren't really pursuing we'd looked at something and thought oh that might be interesting maybe um but we weren't really pursuing anything and then we had this word and we put our foot on the gas as mike encouraged us to and uh and here we are, owning a building. I won't tell the full story, but there was a lot of ups and downs in the meantime, and uh, we've come through it, and uh, now we own a building, which is phenomenal, uh, really. So we're, we're taking this as God's leading, leading an initiative. Uh, the second reason we've got a home, uh, a, a church building, is to root us in a home for visibility. Did you hear that in the word? That sense of um, not being hidden in the community, but having a physical presence, people knowing who we are and what, what we're about by the things that we do in the community, Um, and the sense of that prominence uh, being of benefit to uh, people knowing uh, who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And the third thing was as a resource to serve the community. That building will meet the needs of our community. There's all sorts of social issues going on in the world, and the gospel is the answer, and God's people have a part to play in that, in that God's wanting to bring full restoration to humanity. And so the issues we see in society of ill mental health, of loneliness, of um, uh, uh, Ill health po- All kinds of uh, relative poverty uh, We want to be part of the solution And answer to that in our community, don't we? And so we're trusting that this, co- this community centre This building will help us to do that So that's, that's why we have a building um, Some time back we showed you these concept plans Which were the plans that we were uh, working on In terms of what we were hoping for the building uh, we've made some adjustments to them. I'll send this in, a, in another email later on in e-news so that you have it. Because these, this is what the plan looks like. Now, it's, this isn't finalized because there's some things that are going to change about it. But uh, you walk in the front doors here. Uh, you've got a kitchen to the left, uh, two meeting rooms, uh, an auditorium that will fit about 150-ish, maybe a little bit more. Uh, there'll be a little office space here, but it'll probably be an enclosed room rather than open plan like that. Uh, this will change so that hopefully... The, the reason they've done this is so there's wheelchair access, but it might just slice off a corner instead of putting a full changing unit there. Um, but That's what it looks like. The reason we did, made some of those changes was because we had feedback from team leaders, and one of the general concerns was it's great to have a 200-seater auditorium, but all of our space in this building, you see this one room here and one room there, we just didn't feel would be enough if you had 200 adults in a room You've got to think you're going to have lots more children as well. And they just wouldn't have fitted in, in those spaces. And so we moved to one where we had more space and took some more off of the, off of the auditorium. Um, so we'll send that as those get finalized, which Nigel's doing at the moment with the architect, we'll send those out so that you can have a look at them and, um, get excited about how smooth. Is that right? Um, fab. So. Father preparing us for a move. How do we think about our new uh, church family home together? Uh, the first is we think of it as home. When we became Christians, we became part of a new family, didn't we? Uh, we were saved into a family. We've, we've got the same heavenly father. Romans 8 talks about you've received the spirit of adoption as sons that we all cry out, Abba Father, that our spirit bear, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God we, we belong to him and his family Ephesians 2 says that we're members if you're a Christian of the household of God and so we see repeatedly in the scriptures as well that we're brothers and sisters to one another aren't we that's the primary way we think of one another that we're family and what do you call a property that is owned by a family <laughs> you call it home don't you and uh, we've got to be careful here, because actually, in Scripture, where's our actual home? It's in heaven, isn't it? With God. We're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. We're on a journey to being with him there, physically, in resurrected bodies. And so we have to be a little bit careful about the way we talk about it, because whilst it is kind of our church family home in the here and now, it's very much temporary, isn't it? Because we're all on a journey to our final home, um, where we are already seated in Christ but it's helpful for understanding i think what the church what the hive is because it's not a church is it i mean you know you walk around town and that's a church mm. but that only happened at some point when church communities started building physical church buildings up until that point in the days when you know the scriptures were being written nobody would have walked around ephesus and looked at the hall of tyrannus and said that's a church they wouldn't have said that it's a thing that kind of developed a bit later. Because church buildings aren't the church, are they? We're the church. they the people. And so that's important to think about. It's not just a building or a property or a resource either. It belongs to us as a church family. It's our church family home, if you like. It's our living room. I don't know about you, but in, in my literal home, we invite people into it for the purpose of getting to know them. Yeah, That's why we invite people over. Hey, We'd love to get to know you. Do you want to come over for a meal? You get to know them. They get to know you. You spend time together. You have a meal, fun, games. You uh, talk together. You laugh together. And so it is with our church family home. We want people to get to know us, don't we? And we want to get to know them. So we invite them into our our home together, as it were. Um, so we want it to have that homely feel where people meet us as a church family, get to know us, and we get to know them. They're introduced to the family. We want them to be introduced to our Father, don't we? We want people to know Him. He's so good, isn't He? We've been worshiping about all the good that He, all that He is, and all that He's done for us. We want people to know the goodness of knowing the Father for themselves. We want them to be introduced to our elder brother, Jesus, and all that He's done for us on the cross and in His resurrection to life that we've been eating and drinking and celebrating. Today we want people to be introduced to the family, so we 'll invite them into our home and in a literal home, you might sometimes have guests and visitors don 't you or maybe you've, you 've ever done one of those things where you house swap for the week, you go off on holiday, you know, another family comes and stays in yours, but primarily, even when you do that or you have guests stay it 's not their home is it it 's your home and you might swap for the week but it 's still your home and so we're going to have people in our building, hiring it for different purposes, and so on. But primarily, the way we think about the building is it's ours. It's our home. It belongs to us. It's something that God's given us. The second thing is this: it's purposeful. Um, I wonder if some of you have had the privilege of working in a family business. I'm looking around the room, and I know some of you have worked together with family. You know, maybe your father had a business, and you you worked with him for a time. Um, and that's a bit of a privilege, isn't it? And the car garage I go to in Beckles is a family-run business. It was a husband and wife who owned the business uh, together. They had children. Their children became mechanics. And it's a kind of family business. And God's done something similar with us, hasn't he? He joined us into his family business. So, for example, he says to Abraham, you know, I'm blessing you so that you'll be part of the family business and be a blessing to others. You read in 2 Corinthians 5. We've been reconciled to Christ so that we can what? Be ministers of reconciliation ourselves and extend that message of reconciliation to other people. Jesus came and he taught disciples. And then what did he tell us to do? Go and make disciples. Constantly God is grafting us into his family businesses, the way the father works. He, he loves to do things with us as his children. He gives us gifts so that we can play our part uh, he could have just done it all himself, couldn't he? God could have just gone got with it, told us to go to university or get our own job or something like that. He didn't. <laughs> he's, he's invited us into doing what he's about. And so the hive has a purpose to play in the family business of making disciples. So I'm just going to move this down. Uh, who live as church family to, in friendship with one another. Who learn to be like Jesus and live like him. Who Love God and love others with our words, works, and praying for wonders for them. So the priority for its use, the hive, will be our, the purpose God has given us of making disciples of Jesus. And the judgments we make about its use will all be made to serve that purpose. So sometimes um, people will do that directly. You know, Something directly going on, what we're doing as a church family, maybe it's our monthly prayer meeting. It's directly serving our purpose of making disciples of Jesus. Um, sometimes it's completely indirectly. A business is hiring it out. And they're paying us a huge amount of money <laughs> that we're then going to use to serve the purpose of reaching out to the community. Yeah. Um, it might be that there's some overlap between the community group that's using it and what we're intending to do in the community. It might be just purely for creating an environment for our mission to flourish. But it's all got a purpose. Uh, making disciples of Jesus. Do you remember I did a, a preach a long time ago? You probably don't remember it. You know, they're, they're not that good, are they? But um, there's a frame. Do you remember Jim made us a frame? Remember with go and make disciples. The reason I didn't bring it, Jim, is because it needs some repair, um, which I haven't mentioned yet. Um, it didn't. Nothing drastic. It's just the joints have come apart. So I might come to you again. But we we we're framing everything in our church life, aren't we? With go and make disciples of all nations, because that's what we're about. So it's got a purpose. Third thing, it's discerning. Every family, usually the parent's responsibility, has to decide what happens under their roof, don't they? We're doing that all the time at the minute. That's not language we use in our family. That's a line that comes out all the time, isn't it? We don't use that language in our family. Um, we have to decide where the football matches are going to be played in the house, not the lounge, That's what we decided. Not in the lounge. First floor landing. Football matches are okay. Nerf wars. Can't happen in the lounge. Gotta happen on the first floor landing. The first floor landing is where everything can get trashed. Everywhere else, you can't, can't do it. You've got to decide what happens under your roof. There's other things, isn't there? Like consoles. We're going through that at the minute. I really love a console. And I think it's, yeah, so would I. Um, I've already got one. So I got my SNES out of the, out, out, out of the attic, as it were. Dusted it off. This, you know, 30 year old, uh, game console <laughs> still works! Yes! What a money saver! But it's also a winner, not, atta- not attached to the internet. So our children can safely play games consoles without adverts popping up and all sorts, and I'm sure if you're parents you've gone through all that, and there's all sorts of fun for us to go, are only six and four. There's sleepovers to work out. Boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> Parties, all sorts of things you've got to negotiate as parents, you know, what's going to happen under our roof that's, you know, living out our family beliefs and values. And the same with the hive. We've got some working out to do, haven't we? We want to be consistent with, um, scripture. We want to be consistent with our family beliefs and values. Sometimes there's freedom on issues, isn't there? You could have a group, you know, somebody could use it or they couldn't use it. Sometimes you've got to work out, is this, if this group uses our building, is that going to be a stumbling block to people in church family? Are we we going to find that difficult, aware of one another's sensitivities? We want to keep our conscience clear in terms of what our building is used for. And uh, this is a whole legal minefield to say, obviously, you can't just indiscriminately say, you're okay to use our building and you're not. You've got to have a kind of legal, good legal backing and understanding of and basis for for why that's the case. So uh, kings have... Fortunately, recently worked through this. Uh, there's a lawyer who's helped them put together things so they can understand. You can say yes on these bases and no on this basis, but anything outside of that um, is not okay, and you'll be in legal trouble. So you pray for the trustees as they and those who serve alongside them as they negotiate those kind of things and the implications for that. But it's important, isn't it? You need to discern what happens under your roof and give that thought. It's not a, not a free for all, as it were. Growing. Um, when Jess and I moved house last time, you're not just thinking about your house for the present, aren't you? You have to kind of think of the future. You know, the children were two and four, and you have to do a bit of family planning in advance, don't you? Which is tricky to do, because it's not entirely... Um, you, you don't always know what's coming, do you? Maybe some of you have that experience. You don't, you don't quite know how your family's going to grow. It can happen unexpectedly. Um, but you have to do a little bit of wise planning, don't you? Uh, what's our family going to look like? In the future, how many children are we going to have? Are we going to have children who aren't part of our family come and live with us, You know, fostering, adoption, that kind of thing? And as God's family, we need to think about the same, don't we? We need to think about growth. It's no good kind of, that's part of the reason for the changes on the concept plans, is we're not just thinking about now, how many adults we have currently, how many children we have currently, because that's constantly changing, isn't it? You know, The number of children we have now is vastly different to what it was three years ago. Two, three years ago, yeah? Because the family's constantly uh, growing. That's part of the nature of the gospel, isn't it? The kingdom's always advancing. The nature of God's mission is expansive. It's to the ends of the earth, so we need to think about future growth and starting new families. Um, so the size of different spaces, etc., is all kind of part of our thinking as we're kind of um, talking with the architect um, in terms of these plans. And it's strategic as well, isn't it? Because uh, some of you will know look, Our church is not just made up of folk from Beckles Is it? Many of you live in other places Wonderful towns like Bungie I was kind of expecting a cheer from the Bungie crowd but uh, uh, Well, thank you hey. Halesworth Hey, there we go Lodden Yeah, what a date yeah, I knew it was only you so Sorry, I kind of made you do that, didn't I? Sorry uh, But there's loads of places You know, you could go further so If you look at a, at a map of Suffolk Um, There's tons of towns and villages that kind of size. You think Framlingham, Southwold, um, uh, Leiceton, Saxmundham. You head towards um, Ipswich. Tons of places where we'd love to plant Word and Spirit churches where people get to encounter the love of God and get to know Jesus for themselves. And so when we're doing this, we're also thinking 150, if if there's a full hall, we could go to two services or we could just plant churches in places like... Bungie and Hellsworth and etc etc, And so that's kind of in our minds. We're not looking to kind of gather some huge metropolis in Beckles where people would come from far and wide. Our desire is to see churches planted in those places. Fifth is accessible. Um, when you're kind of putting your home together, um, Jess tells me, you think about um, how to make others feel at home, don't you? how to make them feel at ease, how to kind of like remove any obstacles from making it difficult. So I'll give you one way that, uh, one outworking of that for me, um, is I don't put all of the really hefty commentaries, and because I used to teach re i a bit into understanding other religions, so I've got the, the main texts of most of the world's religions, I don't, In my lounge is not a huge bookshelf with the biggest, heftiest tones. Look how well studied I am. I mean, I haven't read them all front, you know, cover to cover anyway, but it would, it, it might, but I do put out some books. I think, hey, there's some books I have that I think, you know, my friends, family, neighbors might be interested in reading that. And so, um, I get, I get those ones out. Um, and there was a part of the prophetic word was the greater visibility in our community and it being a resource, was we, that we want people to think when they look in from the outside, when they read our signs, see our publicity, go on our website, to think, that place is for me. That place is for me. It's for our community. It belongs, um, it's, it's something that is somewhere where I'm welcome. There'll be something there for me. Do you get that in the prophetic word? You know, if people are going to walk in the door and experience something of the kingdom, benefit from what we're doing there, they've got to be able to walk through the door, haven't they? And so we've been thinking about that. Uh, This verse, Jeremiah 29.7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you. And the hive has that dynamic, doesn't it? It's the place. It's a place for the welfare of the town where God has sent us. And so how we present it visually is important for helping people to open the door and walk in expecting a welcome and something that's for them. So that's part of the reason that we've named it The Hive and not just named it after us as a church. I mean, the name's a tricky thing, isn't it? Because what do you call a building that's owned by a church but isn't a church because the church is the people and operates like a community centre but is also available for business, hire and individual use? If there's a name for that, I haven't found it. So we had a reasonable amount of freedom and the Hive had some prophetic meaning for us. Not that the prophetic word tells us to call it the Hive, but it has some meaning for us in terms of what we're aiming to do and what God's spoken to us about. Um, but also, um, it speaks of a, being a place of activity. It's a kind of neutral name, so it doesn't put any obstacles from people walking in uh, the door. And um, if you just put the Hive into Google, up will pop a series of community spaces that are available for hire. It's becoming a kind of... A fairly popular name for that kind of thing. Uh, some people have asked us about will we put kind of explicit symbols on the doors or on the signs as it were. So will we put a big cross on the on the front of the, the building. And um, we, we, we're probably not going to go for that because what we want is for people to think that place is for me. I, I want to go there because they do things that are, are for me that I would go to. And it's not that people are antagonistic towards buildings that have crosses on them. It's not like if we put a cross on the building, people are going to egg us. But what the cross on the building says is that building is for religious people who go to church. Uh, Which there are people who are Christians who will go there to worship on a Sunday. But we don't want people to think that. We want people to know that we have this resource for their benefit. And we want it to be a place where they open the door and walk in. And so we have felt some freedom about whether we put that on the front of the door or not, as it were. And so what we really the dynamic we really want is that we don't want people to look at a cross from the outside of the building. We want them to walk through the door, experience cross-shaped love, hear the message of the cross, and take up their own cross and follow the Lord Jesus. And so whether we have a cross or not is about what helps people to do that best as possible. And we wanted to kind of honor the feel of the prophetic word. Did you hear that bit where Mike talked about, oh, and there's a church that meets here too. Do you remember he said that? The people would be in there for whatever purpose is going on, a mental health support group. Uh, maybe there's a business conference running, whatever it might be. And, oh, there's a church here too. So we'll put out things that give people an opportunity to explore the meaning of life. Come along to Alpha, be invited to our Sundays. Um, maybe invite, invited to us a project we run, uh, whatever it might be, so that there is a way for people once they're in the building to kind of find out uh, a bit more. Uh, sick thing. Getting near the end now. A family home needs a huge amount of flexibility, doesn't it? Uh, I'll give you an example. of All kinds of occasions, like Christmas dinner. I don't know what your Christmas dinners were like as a youngster, but mine was, there was the family... And then there was the wider family, maybe grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and so on. And then there might be people who don't have anybody to spend Christmas with, and so they'd come and join us. And then there would be those who were here but lived in another country but weren't getting back for Christmas, and they'd come as well. And you end up with that dynamic where you've got the dining room table that you normally eat at, but you've also got your spare table that's just a little bit shorter and everyone's on dining room chairs, plus the stool you use for the piano. And all all the coffee tables are around the table as well. And then there's a kids' table, a separate kids' table. There's actually a coffee table. It's right down here. And the kids are like, eating up by their knees. Like, You get all the spare chairs and stools and everything you can so that people look like they're seated properly at a table. you be as flexible as possible. And so... And um, we, we felt that as well for the Hive, that we want to be as flexible as possible with its use. It's going to be used as a place of activity throughout the week, not just on our, our Sunday gatherings, so people can experience the kingdom and have opportunity to meet the king. The sun, our Sunday gatherings are going to be the most important event to take place at the Hive each week, but it's not the only one, and that's important. It's the most important event to take place at the Hive each week but it's not the only one. There'll be a variety of people using the Hive, um, community outreach, social action projects, individual hire, community groups, business hire, et cetera. And so each of the rooms has a kind of flexibility about it, a neutrality about it. So whether it's the auditorium or the meeting rooms or the cafe space, they serve as... They're as flexible as possible, so they serve a the widest uh, kind of group as possible, meeting different needs, So that means there's some uh, implications, practically, in that Sunday rooms, for example, will need to be set up in some ways and packed down. Because if a room's going to be used for children's work on the Sunday, but on Monday there's a business group holding their board meeting in there, um, we're not going to have the timeline of Genesis to Revelation on the wall because it says that this is a kid's room that as a business they're just using, and we want them to experience, and this is a boardroom meeting room. Does that make sense? So there's some implications for flexibility where we will need to bear that in mind. There won't be ownership of rooms for particular ministries, as it were. And last thing, is hospitable. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And then verse 16, Don't neglect to do good and share what you have. Romans twelve thirteen says, seek to show hospitality. Some of us at the ladies' event yesterday? Yeah, good time? Yeah. Good, good. Um, some of you might have seen some exceptional crockery uh, there. Because Jess... Um, <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I didn't agree that I'd talk about this, sorry. <laughs> um, but Jess has um, something called, uh, some crockery made by Pip Studio. And she gets it out on special occasions when we're being hospitable to other people. It's the breast crockery she has. So if the queen comes to visit or the king comes to visit, that's what that's what we get out. Um because it's her way of sharing the resources that she has with others generously. Um and if you were at the ladies' event yesterday, some of that crockery was out, yeah. You were treated. Just She was being hospitable, sharing uh, what, what she has. And in the same way, we want to be hospitable, don't we? People are coming into our church family home. We want to welcome them in, sharing uh, with them all that God has given us, the resources we have, sharing generously with them. It's a wonderful resource, the Hive. It's really going to be something quite brilliant that God's given us, and we want to be generous with it, with others, don't we? And we want to bring out the best, just like Jess brings out her best crockery. We want to bring out our best when we're serving others. That attitude of aiming to please our community, um, doing things well so that they know that we love them, respect them, and value them. So that when they come into our home, we haven't just hashed it together, just kind of blah, 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 bumbled it. That sense of, no, this is we value you, and so we've made the effort. Does that make sense? Um, Genesis 12, verse 2 says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. And that's the, the thing that we feel on us for the hive, is God has blessed us with this so that we'll be a blessing. And Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew, doesn't he, let your light shine before others, i.e., do good works so that others see them and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. We want that dynamic, don't we, that people give glory to God because of the things that are going on there. Yeah. Right, We're coming into land here. We're going to pray in a minute. Um, Like with all house moves, there's a bit of a settling in period, isn't there? A time of kind of finding our feet, working out how things go, working out where things go. We're still in that phase. We've been in the house two years. (laughs) Constantly shuffling things around, new bits of furniture, and then everything gets moved. takes a while to find your way into a family home, doesn't it? And work out how best to live there. And it'll be the same with the hive. We need to be prepared for a period of settling in, working out how to live there, listening to the father, growing into our new home and welcoming others in. And also be a bit flexible in the sense that God might be doing one thing for a period of time and then he does another thing. He's doing new things all the time, isn't he? That's part of the flexibility thing is just thinking God's going to do this for time, but then he's not going to do that forever. Need to change in society. The gifts amongst us change, and so that affects um, what we do. Well, one of the things that Jess and I did before we moved into our family home was we prayed. We prayed about where to buy, the buying process, the moving process, the settling into home. And we've done all of that along the way, haven't we? We've been praying as we kind of followed the prophetic word. We've prayed as we've been through the buying process. We're praying through the remodeling, and now we want to pray for the moving process, don't we, and the settling in. So should we do that together just to kind of end our week of prayer and fasting? Is that all right? Um, If you're new and just uh, visiting us, feel free to catch up with the person next to you. If prayer's something new to you, don't feel obliged to kind of join in with it. Um, If you wouldn't typically, that's that's absolutely fine. So these are the things we're going to pray for. We're just going to do it maybe in uh, threes and fours with the people you're sat around with. I'd love us to pray for God's ongoing leading through the moving process. Let's pray for future visibility in Beckles, so that Jesus is glorified so that people come to know him. That people experience the kingdom and meet the king. We're not running projects for the sake of it, are we? We actually want to see people benefit from the kingdom and meet the king. And we want to pray for Nigel uh, as he leads the team that are doing the remodeling. And Chris, who's uh, the building contractor. Is that all right? So should we gather into threes and fours, just uh, lift those things up to the Lord, uh, pray for five minutes or so, and then Rod will lead us on in a moment.